0: Want to reach the 1% of people who make 80% of business decisions in Western Australia? Business leaders and influencers trust Business News for accurate, independent and insightful news, editorial and intelligence across every sector, every day. Place your brand in front of WA's business, political and community decision makers with our integrated platforms encompassing print, digital, podcast and events. Contact our team of experienced account managers to find out more. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash advertise.
1: All the latest business news from WA, delivered
2: daily. At Close of Business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business. I'm Jordan Murray with your December 14 headlines. Premier Mark McGowan has announced his cabinet reshuffle which includes big jobs for new ministers, significant shifts for senior government figures but notably no changes to the Premier's substantial workload. Jackie Jarvis and Sabina Winton were yesterday elevated to the ministry to replace Alana McTiernan who announced her retirement from state politics in November and Dave Kelly who has shifted to the backbench at the Premier's request. Mr McGowan has now handed out roles to his new ministers with Miss Jarvis taking agriculture and food, forestry and small business, and Miss Winton taking on early childhood education, child protection, prevention of family and domestic violence, and community services. The latter changes leave Simona McGurk with just a handful of portfolios, including Mr Kelly's former roles of water and youth. Asked whether Ms McGurk had been demoted, Mr McGowan demurred, saying training and water in particular were, quote, major economic portfolios. Elsewhere, Sue Ellery has stepped away from education, taking on finance from Tony Booty, and commerce from Deputy Premier Roger Cook. Dr. Booty in turn has picked up education, while Mr. Cook has received Ms. McTiernan's old job of hydrogen. Dom Punch meanwhile received regional development, while Reese Whitby has returned to racing and gaming after a brief 12-month hiatus in which Dr. Booty held that job. Notable as those changes are though, Mr. McGowan has stayed put as treasurer, despite some suggestions in recent days he would seek to pass the job to Mr. Cook or Planning Minister Rita Safiotti. That appears unlikely to happen before the 2025 state election, with the Premier today saying only he was able to stand up for the state's generous GST carve-up by virtue of attending both National Cabinet and National Treasurer meetings. Neither the Federal Liberal nor Labor Party supports changing the GST grant distribution that was negotiated in 2018. That's despite most other states and several noted economists, including Saul Eslake, in recent years suggesting the deal be revisited. Turning to the courts now and Gina Reinhardt's Hancock Prospecting has failed in its bid to delay a Supreme Court trial over royalties from the Hope Downs tenements. DFD Roads and Wright Prospecting have pursued Hancock Prospecting in the Supreme Court of Western Australia in the long-running and complex litigation. Descendants of Peter Wright and Don Rhodes, former business partners of mining pioneer Lang Hancock, allege that they were owed royalties from the Hope Downs mines. Hancock Prospecting has been pushing to delay the Supreme Court hearing, already scheduled for June of next year. Supreme Court Justice Jennifer Smith today dismissed that application. The hearing over a potential adjournment started in late November, with Hancock Prospecting's lawyer Christian Bova telling the court that an ongoing federal arbitration would not be completed before the scheduled Supreme Court hearing. Mr Bova told the court in November that parts of the proceedings in arbitration were confidential and could prejudice the Supreme Court hearing. Hancock Prospecting asked for the proceedings to continue in the final quarter of 2024 instead of June. Justice Smith said today that Hancock Prospecting's applications should be dismissed with costs yet to be determined. In property news now, and Sub-C7 has struck a deal with GDI Property Group to move into West Australia Square from its current William Street address. Colliers brokered the off-market deal for Sub-C7 to occupy the 15th floor of 141 St George's, which GDI Property Group bought in 2017 for $216 million. The deal brings the 18-storey building close to 80% occupancy – with deals in negotiation to lease the remaining four floors. Sub-C7 is paying about $720 per square metre for the space on a five-year initial term. Refurbishment specialist Ryder Projects recently completed a refit of the floor as part of GDI's revamp of the asset. GDI Property Group Managing Director Steve Gillard described the deal as a win-win outcome for both parties, commending Colliers. Since Colliers relaunched in the WA market in early 2022, following the spin-off of the group's international franchise in WA to Signet West, Colliers has leased more than 9,900 square metres of directly brokered deals. Sub-C7 has occupied 15 through 17 William Street, known as Australia Place, for about the last five years. And finally, shares in St Barbara and Genesis Minerals have both risen strongly today in a rare example of both parties to a takeover deal gaining from a transaction. Genesis shares jumped as much as 28% this morning to $1.50 before easing to about $1.40, St. Barbara shares meanwhile peaked at about $0.80 before easing to $0.75, a gain of 16.5%. Trading in both stocks resumed this morning after they announced a script-based merger on Monday. It also comes after Genesis announced this morning that a $275 million share placement had been fully subscribed. The raising was priced at $1.20 per share, a 0.4% premium to the last closing price before the deal was announced. Genesis shares have traded over a wide range during 2022 peaking at $1.90 early in the year before falling as low as $0.90 cents in September. Investors have clearly been buoyed by the merger of St. Barbara and Genesis to form Hoover House, which plans to consolidate gold mining operations near Leonora. A second leg to this consolidation plan is Genesis's acquisition of junior miner Dacian Gold. Its takeover offer was extended this week to mid-January, as only 77% of Dacian shareholders have accepted the offer. And coming up after the break, I sit down with senior journalist Matt McKenzie to discuss Business News' latest rich list, including information on how we calculated this year's list and the difficulties in pinning down who exactly is the wealthiest person in Western Australia.
0: The business world is teeming with opportunities to succeed, and every day is a chance for the ambitious to learn, know and grow. Over recent years, we have built the greatest business journalist team in WA – delivering you the most trusted, comprehensive, intelligent, and up-to-date news across every sector, every platform, every day. No fluff, all informative stuff. At Business News, we believe progress boils down to one simple habit. That is, what you subscribe to today shapes what you will become tomorrow. Subscribe to success, subscribe to Business News. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash subscribe for more information.
2: Welcome back to our Close of Business. I'm Jordan Murray. Today, joined by senior journalist Matt McKenzie. Ahead of our last episode on Friday, Matt, this is your second last appearance for the year. And I feel like I misled listeners because I said last Friday that that was your second last appearance for the year.
1: I'm here to appear, Jordan, and excited
2: to be here. We don't rhyme enough on this podcast, Matt. We should be doing that more in 2023. But before we get there, we're talking about the last edition of Business News for 2022, where you have authored the latest Annual feature covering business news's rich list. This is always fascinating data to pour over. But listeners and readers might not know that there's a bit of a secret source that we use to calculate these figures, and it's very complex and difficult to get our heads around. I know you spent a lot of time last week putting this information together with our researcher Nicholas Clark, and it was very painstaking stuff. And listeners and readers get the simple version of uh, of your work, but can you just talk them through? how you calculated these figures. How did you even get to this list?
1: Yeah, I opened by saying uh, calculating the wealth of Western Australia's top business people is a bit like measuring the circumference of the earth using the sun and two sticks, which I thought was, uh, <laughs> I mean, whether you call it, uh, I don't know if that's a metaphor or a simile. It took me a long time to come up with it, but it's true. And the reality is you can't be perfectly accurate about any of this because if you look at, you know, for example, Andrew Forrest or Chris Ellison, the, the numbers which are pretty certain are... Well, we know publicly how many shares Andrew Forrest has in Fortescue and how many shares Chris Ellison has in mineral resources and the price of those companies. We can also deduce the amount that they're paid in dividends over time. But that's really where it stops. And then it's like, what does someone do with their dividends? Do they go down to the Collisloe Super IGA and buy bags of lollies with their billion dollar dividend check? Or do they invest it into other assets which are going to earn a return? It's difficult, right? And then, you know, how many houses do they own, what's the value of those houses, it's tough to assess all that sort of stuff as well. So the the numbers that are the strongest are people who have shareholdings in publicly listed companies and what those shareholdings are. And generally speaking, for a lot of people, that will be be the main game. If you're someone like Andrew Forrest, most of his wealth would be through his, his shares or the shares that he controls in Fortescue Metals Group. But as we're seeing, the more that... The dividends roll in the more that that gives you an opportunity to diversify and in Andrew Forrest's case wow I mean this year you know recently there was the four billion dollar deal for CWP renewables and we can get into all of that in a moment but just goes to show that if you're a successful iron ore entrepreneur right now or lately you've been making plenty of cash to invest in other things where this gets a lot more difficult though and I suspect, you know, I don't want to give away trade secrets here, but I reckon that a lot of the rich lists you see are really just shots in the dark. The first thing is there are companies where there are people who are very rich that are totally private companies. And, you know, it's, you can't get any reports, you can't get financial statements. They're not going to come out and say how wealthy they are or whatever it is. So it's pure speculation you can deduce, like, you know, for example, if the Roberts family or the Ray family sold out of the companies that they helped found or build, uh, you can deduce how much money they got at that time, and then you can say, well, probably they made a 10% return or a 12% return every year, but you don't really know for sure. So once it gets out of the sort of publicly listed company space, it's a, it's a lot less transparent. Some companies do still provide annual reports. Um, you know, Hancock Prospecting will always give a rundown of its results, uh, and send it out to media, and it's quite transparent about that. So you've got that information there. But then, on top of that, Mrs. Reinhardt and her children, what other assets do they have outside of Hancock Prospecting? I mean, surely people own their own homes or whatever else. So then it gets a little bit more complicated. And then, Jordan, something I picked up during this, which I, I don't know is often picked up in rich lists is you can have, for example, a billion dollars of shareholdings and assets, but how much of it is leveraged. And people who read the online version of this story will find that, for example, there's a billionaire in Western Australia who has some assets in publicly listed companies. But when you actually look at um, their own personal portfolio, uh, there's you know not a substantial level, but a level of debt in there. And so if you're trying to work out their wealth, you've actually got to net those two things out. So it's not quite as simple as just looking at the value of the shares. A lot goes into it, is the TLDR, Jordan.
2: A lot does go into it, and I'm sure I'm not giving away anything here, Matt, but there's two names that loom over the list, and that's Andrew Forrest and Gina Reinhart. Which one of them's wealthier and why?
1: Well, if I were to be honest with you, the truth is I can't say that for certain, right? But what I can tell you is that Gina Reinhart's share of Hancock prospecting, to the best that I can ascertain, is more valuable than... Andrew Forrest's share of Fortescue Metals Group. But then you might say to that, well, Andrew Forrest got paid $10 billion of dividends over the past four years, and that's on top of all the previous dividends. And then you've got, well, Andrew Forrest is incredibly generous. Gina Reinhart's also been generous, incredibly generous to different causes, um, and they're not always public about what they do. So then you've got that um, money which is flowing out of their out of the system and and into helping other causes, into philanthropic causes. Um, We also know that, as I said earlier, you know, uh, Andrew Forrest invested in CWP Renewables. Um, His uh, Squadron Energy also committed to a $3 billion wind farm on the east coast. There's Harvest Road, and you'll be able to get a bit of detail around that in the online version of the story too. Um, So there's a lot of complexity there. And so our list on the top assets of the wealthiest people shows that Gina Reinhart's um, ownership of Hancock is at the top but that doesn't mean that Andrew Forrest doesn't have other assets
2: that haven't been assessed or can't be assessed, Jordan. Plenty of other notable names on this list. Kerry Stokes, Chris Ellison, Lawrence and Scalante, uh, plenty of billionaires as well. Uh, any other interesting uh, insights that you'd like to highlight here because you can pour over this list for, uh, well, for a very long time. Well, and I did. You, yeah, <laughs> you did yourself uh, and still not come to uh, the, the bottom of what's there that there's a lot on offer, and there's a lot to get your head around.
1: Well, with with Lawrence Escalante, it's worth noting that uh, my interpretation of this is that this is probably a lower number than what's previously been published for him uh, elsewhere. Um, and I did that, I think, um, by looking at the share price of. The, this is a private company, but apparently you can trade shares in it in a very liquid marketplace called primary markets. So I kind of deduced his holdings and all the rest of it, but. In that case, Lawrence Escalante, VGW Holdings, I mean, he, they've been paying some dividends too, right? So what's he used those dividends for? Is it buying um, collectible cars? Um, <laughs> if so, that's still an asset, right? And that would add to the wealth. Or has it been invested into other things? Um, you know, you'd have to... People would, would not necessarily want to be upfront and upcoming about those things because it's private. You look at um, right prospecting. So in that case, um, I've um, assessed the... I've assessed the value of that company using a publicly available annual report and then using a a multiple of net profit which um which i took from a iron ore peer that's publicly listed um so again it's sheer estimation there but what we can say is uh that company they've paid about 2.3 billion dollars of dividends over the past 13 years to the family Um, and as i say i mean it's difficult to do these things uh perfectly Uh, And I'm not going to pretend, Jordan. I'm not going to pretend that I've got all the answers and I know all this stuff for sure. People like John Poynton, Adrian Finney, people like Michael Cross from Aegis Aged Care, I'm not even going to pretend that I know how much money they have. But I suspect, I can speculate that their assets are quite high valued. That's what I can speculate. As I say, though, the one thing that people can rely on is our our database of company directors and um, the public shareholdings they have. Uh, because that's the information that's publicly available.
2: And you can read more of that data online at businessnews.com.au. Head to the Data and Insights tab and you can read more on company directors and the wealth of WA's most notable business people. In the meantime, you can also head online to businessnews.com.au to read the latest headlines or you can pick up the latest edition of Business News to read the article referenced here today. In the meantime, Matt, I look forward to Friday. Me too, John. The
1: latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest
2: business news, visit businessnews.com.au.